Hello and welcome back to your place for all things French football. It is French Football Weekly, the podcast. I am your host, Chris, and uh, I've almost forgotten how to do this. It's been that long. Uh, and in the time I've been away, France have added another star. Had to add that in. Uh, so um, it's good to be back, of course, and uh, we'd have to come back with the full crew together and that's exactly what we have tonight so good evening to rich to jez and to phil good evening everybody good evening hello good evening i shouldn't say evening because then when people listen to it in the morning that sounds wrong but you know what i mean uh (laughs) so um let's just uh before we jump into the podcast main uh i just want one sentence from you all uh about the summer because i didn't get a chance to chat to you all um about it so uh phil let's start with you france world champions um, what did you do? Where did you go? Did you climb any lampposts? That kind of thing. No, I, I was at home because I get very nervous watching um, key games and I felt it would be safer to be in a comfortable, safe environment. And then I listened to my neighbours driving around the streets, bipping their horns and flying um, flares and flags out of their car windows for approximately the next two hours. And it was wonderful. So yeah, it's been a good summer. Splendid. And uh, Rich, what about yourself? Did you did you go mental, or did you just uh, sip a, a glass of something fun in a red shirt? I I thoroughly I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, although most of the final was spent trying to explain to my grandparents why I'm supporting France. <laughs> Don't get me started on that. <laughs> for God's sake, distracted distracted me somewhat. And then and the, the uh, well, what if it was in a France England final, and then. <laughs> Trying to pick them all up off the floor when I said, "Well, I'd probably still support France," um, which perhaps didn't go down well with with most of the family. But no, brilliant summer. Uh, roll on the new season. Yeah, absolutely. And last but not least, Jez, uh, how did you sort of celebrate or take it all in? I I watched it by myself because partly because a couple of family members wouldn't come to Kensington to play. Um, not that I live in Kensington, by the way. I was going to say, that's the, French, that's the French Quarter and where I watched in 98 and 2000. And also partly because I'm ridiculously superstitious and I happened to watch the first couple <laughs> of matches by myself and it worked out. So I had to carry on that way. But I admit there were tears both on the day, the day after, a few random days after when I just thought about it. Today... I just randomly thought that Mbappe has only been playing for a couple of years and is a world champion, and it just made me laugh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It is a bit like that, isn't it? And uh, Benjamin Pavard scored the best goal of the world. Ah, I, I, oh, that was wonderful. I don't know if any of you have seen. I am indeed the proud owner of a, of a Pavard shirt. Um, the only thing, I, 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 I digress, I'll keep this brief. The only slight disappointment for me was uh, a big shout out to my friends or not at kitbag.com. Uh, I won't be using you again, so thanks for your, uh, for your excellent lack of service. <laughs> I, um, I, went to, I went to Malta for my holiday, first one in a long time this summer. And um, I was planning, or I had ordered the France home shirt, complete with Pavard printing, ready to take away to enjoy whilst I was abroad. 
they cocked up two sets of deliveries and it was delivered the day after I arrived in Malta to my home address. Um, so I didn't really think it was worth shipping it all the way over here. So I ended up buying the rather fetching striped warm-up top, which is rather lovely, I have to say. But it did cost me 50 quid. Um, and uh, yeah, I got home to find my shirt. So just as Mark Lawrenson was showing his appreciation for Pavar, um, <laughs> I was unable to show my colours until I got home. But I am still the proud owner of, of the shirt now. And but just uh, with one star. Just with one star, unfortunately. Um, although I have, uh, due to the many benefits of owning a printing business, I have added the World Cup um, sort of um, match detail onto my shirt, the final detail. So that looks quite cool. <laughs> but uh, yes, um, big shout out to Kitbag there for, for your crap service. Um, and they refunded me a grand total of £7.83 for my travels. So thanks for that. I don't know if you were away, Chris, but we've signed Kitbag up as the new podcast sponsor. <laughs> oh, Kitbag, they're excellent. I highly recommend them. Um, and, and also a little shout out to the, the gentleman who um, I think I saw in our hotel about five, maybe six times. And every time I was wearing my shirt, uh, French shirt, he, he insisted on having a good chat to me in French. I'm not going to lie, I didn't understand a lot of it. But, you know, we nodded along and we bumped fists and it was all good. <laughs> Uh, far too many Belgians in the hotel, but still, I digress. Anyway, uh, that was then. This is now. So we are going to do a bit of a preview pod, so it might be a little bit longer than usual. Um, we're going to break this down into segments because uh, as much as we'd love to cover the ins and outs of uh, every single team, we would be here till midnight. So we're going to uh, – I think we're going to start from, from the bottom and work our way up just because – it sounds more fun. Um, so we're going to tackle the transfers and that at the end of the pod. But for now on, we're just going to kind of segment the teams. So, um, Jez, let's start with you. Uh, in terms of the Ligue 1 season, 18-19, which uh, kicks off in less than a week's time now, we are going to start with who you think might be in trouble. Um, let's start on a negative and work our way upwards. Who, <laughs> who of the teams currently or about to embark on the season in Liga do you fear most for in terms of a relegation battle and why? Um, I think, first of all, it's difficult to, to predict for sure right now because the, well, the Premier League window is still open and then obviously for, for other clubs or for other countries it's open for a bit longer. So I still expect there to be quite a few for there to be quite a lot more business um, done in and out between now and, and the end of the window. But as things stand, um, I'm a little bit worried for, for Strasbourg for a start. I thought they started the season well last season and still played some good stuff all the way through the season, but they did kind of peter out a bit and it took that that one sort of shock win against Lyon to, to kind of really help them in the end. Um, but they've lost arguably their two most influential players last season with um, Olu going to, to Monaco and, and Terrier going back to Lyon. Um, and they haven't replaced them with any obvious standout talent. So I worry a little bit for them. Um, Toulouse, I can still see being a little bit in the doldrums if they don't bring a couple in, especially if the rumours are true that well, not rumours, Julien, Christophe Julien wants to leave. If they lose him as well as Diop and don't bring anyone in, that, that could be problematic for them. Though you have to think that, you know, René behind them is a good replacement for, for Lafont in goal. And Dossavi, um, obviously, I think is, is an excellent um, signing on their part, but I still worry a little. Um, 
And the other one that I'm a little bit concerned for is, is Angers. Um, mm. They play some okay football. They've got some okay players behind. We're all fans of Fulgini, for example. But when you look at just how important um, Carl Tokoy Akambi's goals were for them last year, um, and again, there isn't, they haven't brought in, uh, you know, with all due respect to, to your friend Jeffrey in Adelaide, I'm not sure that they've brought in a striker that, that matches um, Tokoy Akambi's ability, um, which he's proving even more now. He's already sort of um, doing very well in preseason for Villarreal. Um, I worry about whether they're capable of getting the goals to, to sort of push them up. I think they'll still be strong in defence, but you need wins to, to stay up. And I worry a little bit about where they're going to get those goals. Mm. Yeah. Um, they, they're kind of the defence, it was so strong when they first came up and then it weakened a bit as they sold a couple of people. And so with Tokoro can be going, yeah, that could be, he was so influential that could really be kind of a tipping point. I mean, looking at the two teams that are coming up, um, you got Neem has um, Olivia Basagli has gone back to Monaco after his loan, um, and they seem to have started in a brilliant style by going on strike already about match bonuses. And then you've got Ras who have. Um, transferred um, Sabatu to Ren, which again looks like you know kind of a key player moving on. So it's difficult when clubs come up in France that they're still going to be picked off for their best players, which then weakens them in a position that they're already quite weak in, having just come up. So it's I think it's going to be an interesting one. I was looking at the odds earlier of who is going to win Ligue 1, which makes for depressing reading frankly. Um, but they've got Reims, Nîmes, Caen, Dijon, Amiens and Angers all level on basically 1,500 to 1. Um, that They see those as the, the bottom six. And so Strasbourg's not in that mix, uh, which surprised me slightly. But uh, there is a, a really, really big kind of drop off, obviously, after the top four and then everybody else. Looking at the um, the spends, and uh, Rich, I'll come to you next. Um, the, the 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 bottom three um, active clubs, if you will, in terms of transfers: Toulouse, bottom of the pile, uh, Strasbourg, next of them. Uh, the next one after that is rather surprised me: Saint Etienne, um, in terms of business in and out. So a combination of the two. Um, anybody you would add to that that group in terms of, of struggling by the way Ren are just above those three i should stress but i'll leave that behind um yeah, they've, had a, they've, had a, they've had a quality transfer market but yeah um, agreed i think i would echo all of those teams as, as being teams that that should be concerned coming into the new season um i definitely had uh Amiens as one and they had they had the fairy tale season last season Everybody had them down and out from, from day one. And then from day one, they made us all look rather foolish um, with you know, brilliant performance after brilliant performance. Um, reasons for me to be concerned. One, you've got second season now. Teams will have worked them out. They were heavily reliant on a really good defence, good goalkeeper, good, good line of defenders in front of him. They're going to be sussed out now a little bit more. 
Um, how much of that was a, I know it was over a season, so perhaps not to a great extent, but how much of that was sort of first season luck, maybe? Um, they've lost Gail Kakuta, they've lost Harrison Manzana, two creative players who are really important in that midfield. Haven't really replaced them. For the time being, they've kept hold of Musa Kanate, who, who delivered all their goals. If they lose him, there have been rumours, if they lose him, they are in serious trouble. Um, <laughs> I was having a chat with a, a, a Polish league and journalist last night who was just asking me some questions on how a, a new signer who has actually joined today, uh, Rafael Kozawa, a Polish uh, left winger. <laughs> and this, this, this was some of, his, some of the words he used to describe this, 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 this guy. Uh, left midfielder who's not quick, not aggressive, doesn't dribble. Sounds quality. Uh, right. Not necessarily <laughs> what you'd be, you know, the, 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 the attributes <clears throat> you're giving to, to not having in a, in a, in a winger. So I, I just have major concerns, I think, for Amiot. You know, we'd, we'd love them to do it again. Can you say um, that description again? <laughs> <laughs> uh, where are we? Uh, he's not quick. Uh, he's not aggressive, and he's not a dribbler. David Beckham. <laughs> well, I exactly. Say me at because I, I, I then follow up with the words are delivers delightful crosses. So there you go. <laughs> the future is now. And he won PSG the title. Remember. <laughs> no, I mean, look, just looking at you mentioned Sanzetti in there. I mean they may not have done a lot of business, but they just kind of solidified quite nicely. They bought in Kasri from Sunderland, which may annoy Rich. Mm. Um, they seem to have got Cabela back on a permanent deal from Marseille after his loan last year. They've got Debussy in on a, on a free, by the looks of things. And a couple of people whose names seem familiar from a couple of years back in Liga who are going to shore things up. Kulajedzak, uh, Lacroix, um, Nordin, Polomat, and they've got rid of Janko, who I think a lot of us can't remember seeing play ever, um, and Pierre Gabriel, who was on loan at Lille last year, who's who's gone to Monaco. You know, they haven't lost any kind of key players. I think Kevin Monipake is at the end of his contract. He's maybe a bit older now, so. You know, I still think they look uh, a decent proposition, but haven't done anything to strengthen. So no. it's kind of like they're maybe treading water a little bit rather than, than pushing on. But given the financial situation, maybe that's that's reasonable because, as I said, looking at the the uh, the odds, obviously to win the championship, the odds are PSG are a hundred to seven on. And then you've got Monaco on 12 to 1, next closest. Then you've got Lyon and Marseille on 13 to 1. Everyone else is 250 bar. Right? Mm. That's kind of depressing looking at that as a, as a Ligue 1 fan. That we're relying on one of those three teams. Monaco, Lyon, Marseille. To kind of do what Monaco did two seasons ago. Hmm. To hold it together, to be that consistent and solid, and h hope that PSG screw up. And 
I'm just looking at it makes me feel a bit sad. Just that uh, that immense drop off between first and then the next three, but then also between the next three and everybody else. It's, yeah, uh, yeah, that that you know that made me sad. Yeah, I I, I tend to agree, and obviously talking relegation, that that's uh, a good a good word to use in terms of sad. We we of course could be wrong, but where we'll go next is is uh, challenges for Europe, which kind of is a nice segue into into where we were with that that conversation um in, in terms of teams that, that we feel and we must stress this isn't uh, challenging psg it's more teams that could potentially break into that europa league or maybe even champions league spots um we'll, we'll take psg and monaco out of this conversation well i don't know should we take monaco out no let's just take psg out for this conversation um rich let me start with you any teams that you can see sort of kicking on other than the sides from last year that will challenge for Europe, or do you think it will be much the same as, as what we had last year? Um, I th- it's going to be the same contenders, isn't it? I think if you look at Europa League, um, it was it was Ren, or Marseille, Ren, and, and Bordeaux that got that. Saint-Étienne will be there again. I'm not sure necessarily if if Nice will. Um, I have concerns concerns over their losses this summer and potential mm-hmm. losses. This summer, um, especially in the goals department, where something ridiculous like nearly forty goals is walking out of the, out potentially walking out of the door this summer. Um, so I'm not sure if they would necessarily be pushing. I think it's going to be a pretty tough first season for Vieira. Um, I think the team. This is going to sound ridiculous now, and, uh, but I'm, I'm willing to, I'm willing to make this claim. I think the team to watch out for this season for us. Potentially, man, for a Europa League place, considering all the issues they had last season, a Lille. Mm. Um, I think they've they've um, obviously had an incredible shock and an incredible panicked season, where no one really knew what was going on off the pitch. No one really knew what was going on on the pitch. Um, they've got Gaultier in charge as they had for the vast majority of last season, but this is his his season, his summer transfer window. And I really like the, some of the deals that they've done. I think we obviously saw last summer why they went ridiculous on buying all these youngsters, trying to be a new Monaco and failing miserably. Um, they've now brought in some experience. They've brought in some specifically targeted um, youngsters who actually have experience in the division. So they brought Loic Remy in. They brought Jose Fonte in. Um, you know, two hugely experienced players will add a lot, I think, to that squad. Um, quite weirdly, I'm sort of looking forward to seeing Remy at Lille. I, th- I think Me that's too. a move that could work out quite well. Mm. And then in terms of youngsters, well, they've added Jonathan Iconi. He's got experience in this division. Jonathan Bamber has had a couple of, de- of decent seasons now. Um, Saint-Étienne and out on loan as well. I, li- I like those signings. They've, they've, they've cashed in on the likes of Yves Basuma, on Ibrahim Amadou. They've got good money for those. Um, I I wouldn't be surprised if they can keep one or two players who are on the cusp of potentially leaving players like um, uh, Thiago Maia, Nicolas Pepe. If they can keep hold of those, add it to the players that they've brought in, maybe with a few weeks left, add one or two more of, of the calibre that they've already brought in. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd be thinking that they could have a shot of a, of a Europa League spot this season. I think a lot depends on on Gautier's ability to 
to change a little what he's done before and um, be a little bit more attack-minded because unless they bring more players in, I think they've got a really good-looking attack. But uh, I'm not, I think Amadou and, and Bissouma are quite big losses and I'm not absolutely convinced about their defence in the state that it's in at the moment. Um, so I think they'll certainly be more entertaining than, than they have been the last couple of years. But um, I think maybe there's still a couple of players short. If you've got one you would you would uh, add in, Jez, that, that you would feel is is a dark horse to watch in terms of those European places? For, uh, for Europa League, I mean, I agree. I think it's pretty much the same. I think... Um, I do think that Saint-Étienne, if, if they carry on the form of the second half of last season, then um, there's no reason at all why, why they can't challenge again. Um, nice, I agree. I think they really need to bring in a couple more players. Um, Nantes, I'm interested in. I think they've got a, a very new... I think they're going to have a very new setup, which, if it clicks, could could be good fun to watch but it's all very risky it's you know very he did very well last year but a very sort of green inexperienced manager who's who wants to change Nantes back to the the sort of exciting attacking Nantes that everyone loves them for but which we haven't seen for a while so that would be interesting to watch out for in terms of um yeah that I mean that's that's my view in terms of European challengers but mm. the one that I'd put out there, which Rich is probably going to hate me for, I really think that Ren could be set up um, with a good win behind them to, to challenge for possibly a Champions League. Oh, there's the jinx right there. <laughs> there it is. Uh, I hope we've got this uh, all nicely recorded because when that, um, that doesn't happen, then... <laughs> I just... I, w- I worry that... I think Monaco have maybe gone a little bit too far this mm. summer. Not in terms of the sales. I have no issue with the sales, but um, the players they've brought in, I just feel are generally seem a couple of years younger, younger than yeah, they have yeah. than they have been the last the last two three seasons. It's exciting. A little bit yeah. more inexperienced. I know they they brought in Golovin, which is a good signing, but mm. you know, for example, they they've sold Fabinho and Moutinho at the same time. Uh, you know, effectively, they're the most experienced central midfielders. But there's Ipe Benasser who hasn't yet played for them, and there's Ahulu we mentioned earlier, who's who had a very good season at Strasbourg last year, but that's his first ever season in the top flight. Tielemans um, as well hasn't really yeah, shown what I, he could. Yeah, you know, I'm hoping he he has a good season. And you know, today there's rumours that Kate Balde might be leaving. So mm. I just feel like maybe they've gone a little bit too far. And I I, I hope that they still do it because it's going to be fun to watch, and it will just prove yet again what. A, amazing and amazingly underrated still coach Chardinis mm. but possibly think they've, they've done it done a little bit too much this time and as things stand I, I, Marseille you're looking at them to sort of kick on from last year but they've been pretty stagnant in the in the transfer market you know brought in one one defender and that's pretty much it so mm. I feel like well well those two have at best, kind of trodden water. I think Renov improved their squad, mm. um, and I can't. You know, if they can manage um, Europa League as well as Liga week in week out, I can really see them giving a couple of the the higher ranked teams a scare. 
Yeah, yeah, that's a fair, fair argument. I went to Cater Ballard, I think, by the way, just putting my Inter Milan supporting hat on for a minute. Um, from what I can gather, that's quite far down the line in terms of him coming in and Candreva possibly going the other way. Um, that's that's the latest on that one. We'll see if that materialises. As silly as it sounds with Monica, I, I'm, I'm worried this season about goals. Mm. Um, I'm worried I see what you mean. That Fal- Falcao is, I mean, whether he stays, I, I still feel he could leave mm. um, this summer. Um, you know, injury prob- uh, injury issues hit him hard, I think, last season. He's clearly not the player he is. He's, I mean, he's, you know, don't want to say he's getting on a bit because he's still plenty younger than me. But <laughs> he's, you know, he is he is the wrong side of of a of a you know top class centre forward's age. And aside from that, that I don't know. I just feel as though they're going to you know potentially be faced with, well, who's going to get them the sort of twenty plus goals this season? You know, yeah. are they going to have to rely on you know three or four players getting? 12, 13 goals each. And again, if it comes Which to that... I used to do. Well, exactly. And players gone. I, look, I look at that squad and I think, well, who would get 12 exactly. or 13 goals this season? I just it's going to be back to Camille Glick and, and the rest of the defence. <laughs> uh, well, they think, at they the moment, goal. on paper, Falcao, Balde, Jovetic and Lopez together, you'd think, could come up with the goals. But do we expect them all to be there? And when you're relying on, on Goebbels and, uh, and possibly Pele- uh, Pellegri, who does really excite me I must admit um, and I, I noticed they and they brought back Lashina Traore to sell on so that's another one that's probably going to go there isn't really uh, there just well, isn't got, that they, depth they, is there they've got a lot of um, you know really good 16, 17, 18 year old strikers yeah. but you know they're not Who particularly proven years? Mm. you know they've got they've got Goebbels they've got um, uh, who was it that scored a couple towards the end was it Silla yeah, yeah. Who got a couple towards the end. They're really good, but you don't necessarily. I mean, and you know, the problem is we now know what Mbappe's like. You, you don't. They're not that. They're not that good. Mm. Um, you know, they will. They could potentially. You know, but they're not. They're not that good yet. And I just fear that if even if Falcao stays, mm. I just worry. Jovetic is such a hit and miss player. Um, you know, fitness Falcao, not great either. Falcao fitness not great as well. Is his form still as good? Is he still as lethal in front of goal? I'm not quite sure he is. Ronnie Lopez is going to have to really hit the, the form he hit last season again this season. I think he'll have half an eye on because I do think he's a, he's the next big money move next summer. Uh-huh. Um, so I, I, that's my concern for Monaco, really, is, is, is goals. Um, and They're not the only team in the division that I fear <laughs> will struggle for goals, but... It feels weird saying that for a Monaco side who we're so used to over the years mm. who just play these games where they win 4-0. And but a couple of years, a couple of seasons ago, they weren't scoring an awful lot, but the defence was absolutely excellent. Yeah. But the problem is some of those defenders have now moved on. Uh, do we see Jardim, in a sense, going back to that solidity as opposed to... The kind of the all-out attack thing which has been working. For I'm not sure he can. It's a, or yeah, a blend. It's a tricky yeah. thing. It's like the the question we got. Um, one of the questions we got was from Vinny Castro, who's VinnyCast27 on Twitter. Is this the year Monaco finish outside the top three? All these sales must catch up with them eventually. Now, this is a point we've been making for kind of several years, saying 
it's got to catch up with them sooner or later, all of this movement in and out and selling their key players. Um, in a sense, we say it every year, but is this the year where it might might be um, kind of the, the one that knocks them down the table? I, I think it might be, but not because of the sales. Mm. It's in the past, the last two, three years, or not the year before they won the league, but the, the three other years of the uh, project, they've, you know, they've sold ev everyone every summer, but they've bought cleverly. This time, possibly they've bought cleverly for two, three years' time, but I just, I'm not sure that a lot of their, their signings are ready for this season. And as you said, either one, one end of the pitch or the other has been solid, but the defense, they, you look at who they've brought in, they are mostly attacking players and mm. the defense has looked a bit rickety. Glicks look very slow in, in preseason. Just, um, just quickly before I come to Phil for, for a dark horse, um, I, I'm the only one who's a, who's a fan of the white sleeves on the new Monaco kit, aren't I? It is just me that likes that. I think I, I haven't seen it. There's a lot of uproar about Nike making them very uh, commercially viable by having more white. And I'm not sure about the green away kit, though. I have to say, I'm not sure about that. It looks smart, but just not sure it's Monaco. Mm. But I digress. Um, there's two teams on my um, on my my goodness me, what has Dwight Gale done to his hair? Sorry. Um, there's two teams that I have on my notepad in front of me here. Uh, Phil, which we haven't mentioned yet, and I'm sure you're going to blow me out the water here. Do you have a dark horse of a team either that competes for Europe or might surprise people uh, pushing up the league? I think it's um, the ones that Rich mentioned, the ones that the bookies have got in place that after, in a sense, the top four, we've got Nice, Bordeaux, Rennes, Saint-Étienne. I think Saint-Étienne are going to benefit from not having to play Europe and maybe solidifying... I can't really see anybody below that coming up to challenge. Um, Nantes were not more defensive last year, and you don't win games doing that. Montpellier ditto. I mean, I love Dijon, and I don't think they belong in the bottom six, which is what the bookies say, given that they've um, confirmed that Slitty will be staying with them, and they've got lashes. Mr. Yohan Gorkouf um, <laughs> has gone to them as well. So I'm looking forward to them being um, a fun, enjoyable team to watch in mid-table. But when it comes to Europe, I think it's the usual suspects who are going to be going to be fighting it out, which again is a bit kind of depressing but then my team has basically sold all its wide players over the past two weeks so but they have got Andy Delore that, you know that's really going to work out in a 5-3-2 next season um no Delore good he's mm. already hitting the ground running and and not being compromising but basically everybody who can play wide is either gone or heavily linked away. We've got Isaac and Benza being linked with Huddersfield, yeah. uh, which would be the last of the winkers or wingbacks um, going off. So, you know, it's uh, there were some fun battles kind of early after the Christmas break, but then things kind of panned out to the teams you'd expect it to be. Mm. I think after about Easter, and I can't really see that changing. Uh, unless something 
quite cataclysmic happens. Who were yeah. the two teams on your note? Well, um, yes, we'll, we'll talk a, a little PSG in a second, because uh, I know people are desperate for us too. But yeah, the two teams I've got, um, I can't say you're going to challenge for Europe or higher up, but I'm just intrigued. Uh, Com is the first side I've got listed here. Just in terms of business, done. Um, the, the signing of Ninga really surprised me. I, I didn't see that coming. Um, um, just especially of, of I mean I know he's issues. yeah that that's the only thing I can think I was just surprised one, that and one dimensional um, well there is that I mean I love the I love the man to bits but he was best playing as a, a left winger in a four two three one hmm. and with the move to the five three two he was kind of thrown more central didn't seem comfortable and you had Roussillon doing the work up the wing. Now they've sold both of them. It's like, well, Jesus, you know, one or the other. I yeah. think so. I was very disappointed to see that because I do love him as a player and I think he'll be very good for Khan, but I think they have to play him in the right way and also manage him quite well because he has had some injury issues in yeah. the past. That's fair. That's fair. I'm, um, I'm just sort of intrigued that there's a lots, of, lots of ins and outs at Khan. I just think they had a pretty poor period or lots of poor periods last season so I'm just intrigued by them um, just, just, they, just Julian Ferry has left and I think we are all <laughs> yeah and Santini that. as well yeah that's well that's, yeah. that's the thing so so that's why I, I've got Khan as one of the relegation candidates because yeah. yeah. of Santini it's, it's goals um, yeah, yeah. I've, I've repeated this numerous times but I'll repeat it till I'm blue in the face because I, I love it as a, as, a, as a stat for them that, that Khan last season scored 27 goals the entire season, lowest in the division. Mm. Only seven Khan players contributed to that. Mm. Um, and Ivan Santini, who's left, Damien De Silva, who's left, who's also a centre-back, <laughs> between them contributed 15 of those 27 goals. Yeah. Mm. Um, now, I'm not good at maths, but that's a lot of goals yeah. disappearing yeah. from that club. And I don't see the players that they brought in getting those 15 goals between them. Um, I mean, if but, they is it Crivelli's come, I'm yeah, he's joined, yeah, back. come back. He's back. You got is that a back or a move from it, Angers? That's, that's he went to Angers on loan, right? So, I mean, I he's a barrel-chested centre forward who could do something, but hasn't shown. But he's also got a massive, massive temper issues. Signs mm. of yeah, and then Yassine, Yassine, Bamou, and you know, I mean, we saw at Nantes that. Well, it's a non-striker. Who'd sign a non-striker in this day and age? Hmm. Um, I, I, th- I think the I think the, the, the other one that intrigues me, um, and I'm not going to lie, this might be because I've been uh, having a little play with them on FIFA career mode for I don't know what reason, to be perfectly honest, but the other one is Bordeaux. Um, ag- again, a sort of a side that... You know when a team just sort of intrigues you, you don't really know why. It's kind of one of those. Um, <laughs> on paper, right. they should have a lot going for them. And did you know, did you know Clive Allen used to play for Bordeaux? <laughs> I, I try and shut everything to do with Spurs and their history out of my life, to be honest with you, Rich. So um, I, I didn't know that, but I do now. And uh, I feel we won't, we won't be it. hearing that this year. No, I know. Be a bit... <laughs> uh, oh, what, what a I, shame! I think. Um, I I mean, Bordeaux are a bit of an unknown, but again, I don't think it's a particularly impressive transfer window for them, which 
in Poyet's defence, and I'm not one to spring to Poyet's defence, he's been making clear that it hasn't been a very good transfer window and playing Yunus Sankare up front, I think, is a very pointed um, mm. message to those above him. Again, in his defence, um, the fact that we're not entirely sure who is above him or who will be above him by the start of the season doesn't help him. Mm. But um, I... I uh, I not convinced that anyone can have any kind of stability with the ego that is Gus Poyet in charge. Um, and with the transfer window they've had as, as extremely flaky as Malcolm was, as you know, he, he went missing for literally half, actually more than half of last season, but he's still, he was Scored still their main like creative. The in the other half. Mm. Yeah. And he was still their main creative player. And, you know, Placil is still their main central midfielder. There's, I think you know on on their day, I think they could they could be okay, but I'm not convinced, particularly with their season having started so early compared to other teams, that they they'd be able to um, sort of keep any kind of uh, sort of hunt for European football going all season. They are through, aren't they, to the third qualifying round? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just one of those things that people were tweeting about it and I was like, oh shit, yes, that's happening. Okay. I, uh, I think the other thing, the other thing with Bordeaux as well is that they're, they're waiting for this US investment okay. deal yeah, to, yeah. to come in. And I think if that comes in, providing that comes in soon and we're constantly told that it's imminent, if that comes in, that might, you know, allow, I think maybe they're holding off spending some of that Malcolm money until they know what happens regarding their ownership. Um, I imagine once that goes through, then yeah, I think Poyet may be and you know allowed to go out and sign a couple of players, but they're another team I think that that are going to need going to need goals this season. Mm. Um, I think Malcolm was a it was a key source for you know the the games that he was excellent in. He really was excellent, and the goals that he scored, the goals that he created, um, you know that that leaving the team is going to be a big loss. And they just at the minute they they just lack a lack a goal scorer. They're another team that just lack a, a player that I could look at that team and think, yeah, they're going to get 15 plus goals this season. So, um, you know, fingers crossed they can, they can get something. Just to make you all smile, uh, Nicholas de Preville is my top scorer on FIFA for, uh, for Bordeaux. So, um, uh, that's proof that FIFA is not real. Um, anyway, moving swiftly onwards, um, we, we kind of, I think it's fair to say, unless anyone wants to put their head above the parapet, we're all kind of in agreement that, um, we, we, we suspect a team in Paris will probably win the league this year. I know that will probably surprise many of our listeners. Red star, red star. Absolutely. Um, so what do we make of, of, uh, project PSG as it's become affectionately known? Um, Fair to say, uh, Phil. I'll start with you. Fair to say, it's been um, it's been a fairly quiet summer in terms of movement. I mean, we've seen obviously Gianluigi Buffon come in. Um, as we speak, I think Ariola is still there, as is Kevin Trapper. I think he's just there on media duty and looking handsome. That's pretty much all he does these days. Seems like one of those two will probably move on. Um, aside from that, 
it's kind of business as usual at the moment. I say that at the moment because who knows what Neymar might do, what side of the bed he wakes up on tomorrow. We've seen Gregor Kraczariak leave for um, Dynamo Moscow. Uh, they're, they're kind of beginning the clear out. Ben Arthur has finally moved on to where we don't know yet. Thiago Motta has finally retired, although some would say that happened five years ago. Uh, he got sent off at the weekend. Did he? I thought... Um, on the bench. Oh, I see. I was going to say. One of the youth teams. Did I miss something? Did I'm he come out pretty, of retirement? I'm pretty sure he got he got sent off. There's a surprise. We, we also saw um, Bacic leave for, for, for Spain. Not a huge surprise. And, and Javier Pastore, uh, sadly, but finally going. I think that was probably already going to happen at some point. Other than that, it's been quiet. There's still talk that one of Di Maria or, or Gedesh will probably leave to balance the books um how, how much did they need well this is the thing i mean the, the talk is that they are looking at center halves which i think we'll all agree they but should I have mean, been doing for, for, for ffp they I th- needed 60 million right? yeah and according to l'equipe they've got 62 based on pastorica joviak eduardo celtic and bashish but if they bring in for the like, for example, Jerome and, Boateng. And whatever um, Ikone yeah. is from Lille, which. 20 quid in a packet been, pork scratchings. Not um, been confirmed, but would be a couple of quid. Isn't it's the issue that it's a, it's a three year rolling thing? So even though they've covered it to sort of stave off any issues for kind of three windows ago or two windows ago, or however it is, they also can't suddenly go mad now because then it's going to. Mm. be even more issues for them next summer yes but do they appear to be long-term financial planners this this is the problem i have with psg uh, allow me just to wheel my soapbox in for a second i don't understand uh, project neymar there's clearly it's clearly sort of ups and downs there there's clearly like he sometimes he's happy that he's not then he is and he's not um You've then got the issue surrounding Marco Verratti, who one minute he was off to Barcelona and his agent was keen on it. Then all of a sudden he's committed to PSG and everything's all right again. You've then got Adrian Rabiot, which um, I don't know if you've seen this. Jonathan Johnson just tweeted a picture of him looking extremely glum in a, a sort of a team gathering. He's been flirting Petulant with... Yes, and indeed mother, uh, probably at the source of, of that. Um, he's been linked with everyone, including my Sunday League team this summer. So it seems like he's not altogether happy. Um, they, they just seem, they have been linked with a lot of players without too much noise. It just seems a little to me like Thomas Tuchel, of course, has come in. It's been quiet. Like I, I thought we'd hear a lot more this summer from from PSG and and I watched them against Arsenal in the albeit the prestigious champions of championship champions cup and whatever it was um that that they looked they looked a bit dry to me yeah it's PSGB fine yeah reserves playing three at the back fine Mm. but if you're supposed to be if you're the best team in France and you're one of the richest teams in Europe and you've got this great academy. Why is Kevin Roman? I was just going to say that, that very thing. Threat. I was just going to say that. I mean, yeah. I'm not criticising the guy. He's been a stalwart in the reserves for PSG for years. He's I'm like going to criticise him. No, yeah. but that, that's his place. Yeah. Why couldn't they find another 18-year-old or something exactly. to, to, to stand next to Diara, who was the central, central uh, defender there? That was really really quite strange that how is how is Diara still there i mean even that i know i mean he they 
bought him, didn't they? Um, yeah, that's what I mean. I mean, I don't see how he hasn't yeah. been upgraded. That's but he's been, you know, like he's been shifted around or whatever. And Roman got a couple of bench seats late last season because I think because Silver was injured or, or people were out of sorts. They do not have a big first-team squad. No. It seems ludicrous to say, given the amount of money they got. And then you look at the youngsters who got, you know, Iconi's off, Edward's off. Um, are we waiting for Georgian to go somewhere? You know, it's it seems very short-termist, which is what the Gigi Buffon deal also seems to be, because, you know, what's mm. the point in having a really great goalkeeper for one season if it's going to make the guy who will play for France in the future leave? leave? Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's just... That's just... Well, I was, he goes I'm, on loan, I, I was, suppose. I was, only on, I was only on board with the Buffon move if it was a, almost as a sort of mentor, if you like, for Ariola. But Ariola would still play. You know, Buffon would still play the odd game, but Ariola would still be first choice. But you know, think of what he could learn from from yeah. you know being in a training session every day with with someone like Buffon. Great. What I'm not on board with is Buffon coming in as first choice. Yeah. You know, I, I I love him, great player. Can't knock can't knock his his pedigree in the slightest. But Ariola was. In, in my mind, from the start of the season to the end of the season, PSG's best player last season. Um, you know, Neymar was for a time, but then of course he missed the the second half of the season. And Mbappe was great, Cavani was great, brilliant. But for me, consistently, Ariola was 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 their best player. Hmm. I uh, think. Sorry, I was going to say. I think Buffon could be imported in terms of um, Champions League. Uh, no, kind of unifying the the changing room, getting rid of a lot of the tensions that were clearly there last year and clearly caused by a couple of the uh, the, the incoming signings. Um, mainly, well, maybe as an older statesman, he won't mind telling some of the players to you know shut up and back down, kind of thing. Exactly, I think there's that. I think he's just that kind of character anyway. I think he's you know such a popular character worldwide, really, apart from maybe. The, I can't remember who it was, but the, the referee in the Real Madrid match. But um, I, I, but I'm not sure that balances out making uh, making Ariola unhappy or, or sort of mm. you know, pushing him down a level, which I just think is crazy. crazy so how thing does to do. how does Kevin Trapp stay? You know, as I said, if they're trying to get people off the wage bill, how does he not move on? And and then you've got other sort of elephants in the room. You know, Julian Draxler is playing a, a bit part role. Does he play more? Um, for me, I don't know if you agree, but Christopher and Cuckoo needs to play more this season because he's clearly yeah. ready to, to be a first choice I think he's, uh, he's backup, moved, if you will. He's moved himself into that position. I think he has, yeah. He's uh, really uh, impressed. Second half of last season, in the preseason. Yeah. He and is a very Timothy impressive Ware player. Well. And he's, he's shown himself to be quite sort of, uh, say, polyvalent. Uh, it's quite versatile mm. um, that he's kind of been moved around and because he's not got the kind of chip on his shoulder that possibly Rabio does <laughs> he's done it mm. uh, he's played left wing he's played central mid he's played defensive mid he's played, he's played in a couple of different places Mm. And scores. He just yeah. Scores. Yeah. He's direct, time. isn't he? He's old-fashioned almost. He's a he's a direct sort of attacking type of player. A bit of bit of a throwback. Yeah. And he's filled out in the time he's been coming through the ranks as well. 
Um, and, I, and I just, I, I can't help but wonder, um, Cavani, you know, for all the uh, ups and downs uh, we all might have of him, you know, fair play to him. He's consistent in terms yeah. of that he always and puts he's a shift. he's a direct player. Absolutely. If, he, um, if you look at Neymar's, you know, the kind of the step overs, little jinky runs, whatever, and when it works, it's brilliant. But when it doesn't, he falls over and rolls mm. around and it's unfortunate. You get Nkunku and Cavani kind of, I think they might be on kind of the same wavelength because they're not going to mess around. They're not going to, mm. you know, faff. Um, they're kind of single-mindedly heading towards goal. And that is something that I think would be useful for mm. PSG in amongst all the, the money and the, the flashness and the glitter and everything. You do have to actually score the goals in the games and sometimes it doesn't have to be pretty. It just needs to be you know, practical. Yeah. But his- I, I think that um, I thought too much fuss was made about Tuchel and what an amazing manager he is when I think actually, uh, not saying he's not, but when you looked at his record, it's there wasn't proven. that much there to, yeah, exactly, to, mm. to suggest that he's such a great, great coach. But so far, I've been really impressed with him. I think he has managed to sort of stamp his personality on on the whole club in terms of the way of doing things, in terms of changing um, the formation, in terms of sort of seriousness, and certainly in terms of the last couple of friendlies. Mm. Um, and I, I just think, I mean, I, I, I'm not saying this is what the club have decided. I doubt it. I mean, I think, I still think that the people running the club are idiots who think they know about football and don't. So on the one hand, they want to win the Champions League. But on the other hand, they're sort of tweeting a week about how many new followers they've got from China, mm. um, which, you know, to Brand me... Brand awareness. Yeah. Um, mm. And I don't think they necessarily... Well, I'm not saying they don't go together. I think you should get the brand awareness by doing good things on the pitch. And, you know, mm. I think that's where, for example, Man United are going very wrong the last few years. Mm. Um, and Marina Hyde wrote a good article about it in The Guardian. But um, I, I, I think that they should realistically resign themselves to not having a chance to win the Champions League this year. Mm. Um, that, but that said, I think it could be quite an enjoyable year. And I think they could actually, if not win many trophies, well, certainly oh, not European trophies. Still on for the quadruple. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think they could win more friends or win back fans because certainly if more of these youngsters are given a chance, um, I know we, we kind of hoped for it each time a new manager has come in, but I do think there's a there's a reasonable chance that Tuchel will at the very least promote decent, entertaining football. Then... Uh, at least I think they could be fun to watch. And w- if he and Buford and whoever else managed to, to get rid of all the tensions and the city buggers, then, um, yeah, I, th- I think they, they sort of could get a few more neutrals on side. Mm. I'm actually, I'm, I am still worried, though, about um, uh, the, the Neymar Mbappe dynamic. I'm just going to say, yeah, again, took some of my thunder. That, that's for me. And the biggest issue I have with that situation is it's almost you've got what Ronaldo and Messi had in La Liga where they're competing against each other, but not for separate clubs. You've got two in the same a bracket. And I know, I know Mbappe gets stick for being a bit, bit arrogant and having a bit of an ego. He's a kid. Um, yeah. Neymar is, is an adult. And, and I, just, I just don't think... Neymar is... 
he's so so talented there's, there's no doubt about that and in full flow he, he is a pleasure to watch the problem is I, I just can't see him liking the attention Mbappe is going to get this season and and he's and he is going to get it after that World Cup performance people are already talking about him as being the next you know Messi Ronaldo the next big superstar of of world football well, I am um, I'm also a little bit worried about name uh, Mbappe possibly going too far the other way yeah and that um, is the I, I mean I mentioned it to a friend and he said shut up and enjoy the World Cup for a couple more weeks but <laughs> I really did it I really did not like Mbappe's answer when he was asked about Ballon d'Or candidates and put himself in there and missed Griezmann out mm. and I do think there's something behind it and I am a little bit worried about his ego mm. getting a little bit too inflated well we kind yeah. of sort of thought that at the beginning of last season when he had little bits of strops while still playing for Monaco while the PSG move was on mm. um, that there might be a little bit of childishness in there and I think overall he seems a very level-headed guy, but he does, again, seem very single-minded. Now, he posted a picture earlier of him and Neymar back in training together, looking like best mates. But you do kind of think if, if, if there was a, you know, a falling out, um, how, how would that work out? You know, the rifts in the dressing room, the number of, you know, the kind of Team Brazil that PSG have got versus, versus the rest. That's the it, worry. It, it might be interesting. So I think I'm the same as Jez. I'm hoping that they that Tuchel does bring in more of the younger guys. In a sense, realizing that it's okay to do that in the league because mm. they're not going to be stopped. And mm. this, I think, was what Emery failed to do. And you could kind of understand it because he was under a lot of pressure. But that it would have been fine to play some of the younger guys a bit more often because you're still going to win. And if you draw the occasional goal, fine, you win by 10 points instead of 20 points, whatever. Um, So I kind of hope that Tuchel does bring that. If they do keep playing three at the back, I think that's going to be hilarious. Um, (laughs) Just watching how Thierry Silva deals with that situation. Um, But yeah, I mean, again, they're nailed on. Mm. And so it's going to be, okay, so what can you do in Europe? Mm. And that's going to be the key, isn't it? It's, it's, it's such a kind of a a poison chalice almost. We've been saying this um, since, since the money came in and um, Ancelotti took over. It's a poison chalice, Mm. but you've got to drink it and you've got to, you've got to win. Yeah. No, agreed. Agreed. And um, yeah, I think that that's probably a good place to to, to leave PSG. Um, there's thousands of questions. Of course, we still have a transfer window open, unlike uh, Jolly Old Blighty, which ends on Thursday. There's still time for, for a lot to happen. As I said, uh, surely you've got to see probably Geddesh and uh, maybe one or two others departing and, and maybe if you're coming in there's still some talk about mm. um, Julian Weigel and, and N'Golo Kante you can see one of those two maybe coming off we shall see um, so we, we, we had another question from yeah. James Harris Dunkyard Dog who finishes second do OM have a shot to finish ahead of Lyon now we've kind of covered PSG we've kind of covered Monaco mm. OM and Lyon um Lyon have done quite a lot of business out, Mm. as it were. Um, 
what do we kind of think about um, how both of those have set up? Because Marseille haven't done a lot. No, yeah, but Mar- I think Mar- they Mar- will. Mar- Mar- Marseille at the moment will not be finishing above Lyon. Mm. Agreed. Mar- Marseille at the moment will have to play as they did last season, but a, you know, probably quite a bit more to mm. finish above Monaco, I mm. think. Um, that's not to say that they can't, and that's not to say that they won't, but they have only probably a third of the way to um, uh, sort of polishing out their their clear deficiencies last season. They've mm. brought in... They've brought in they've a, a centre-back, but they still have a striker. Obviously, they needed... I still think they need someone, another body in midfield, um, someone that can perhaps help out Gustavo a little bit more. Um, and yeah, there is then the fact that they need this striker, and the Balotelli deal seems to be dragging on and on and on. And I think one one thing I'm starting to sense about this is that Marseille aren't pushing for this deal as much as I thought they would. Mm. I thought they'd be demanding, you know, really going for this. So. I, I wonder, is their heart really in it? Yeah, you know, Balotelli seems to want to go and seems to be fairly happy with going to Marseille. Nice seemed to be happy to let him go for a right price. Hmm. And then Marseille don't seem to be fighting too hard for him. It's, it's hmm. weird. It's like we were saying all last year, they need more up front. They need more on you know, left wing particularly, and what have they done? They've brought a centre-back and they've finally got rid of Doria. I mean, who I think was someone who I thought had left several seasons ago. It, I think it's because Raiola's a bit of a dodgy character and Marseille as a club oh, never liked on, dealing Jeff. with dodgy characters. <laughs> Raiola, come on, that's blasphemy. Surely not. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I agree. Uh, Leon... Uh, We'll address the the other elephant in the room. There's there's lots of elephants in our room this evening, but um, Liverpool and Chelsea fans uh, constantly banging on all summer and continue to. Um, and on ballet to Spurs has just come up again during yes. the podcast, which I think is even less likely than Fekir. Completely going. agree. I mean, that does essentially straightforward question: Does Leon's season rest on keeping their captain? I mean, that that's. That's the the sort of the big question. I mean, no, I don't think it does either. But if you it, obviously anyone that doesn't watch Liga will have you believe it does. So I think that sort of speaks volumes. I think Leo in a really strong position at the moment. I think the only thing they could do with is another cent- decent centre back or two. Certainly mm. with with, with Europe in with Europe in mind, possibly. But mm. I really I really like the look and the balance of their squad. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm um, not saying they'll challenge PSG, but I don't think PSG will have as much of a cakewalk as as they've had, well, as they had last year. No, uh, they've they've banked what fifty million, and while some of those players like Goebbels, maybe Kalulu, you'd say it's a shame to see him go because you would have liked to see them develop. But they weren't key players. Mm. They've got Terrier back. I think Goebbels could have been. Goebbels left because his dad made him leave. Leon didn't mm. want to get rid of him. Mm. And they made 20 million, which is why all us is a very yeah. shrewd operator. So, yeah, it's there's still a, they've sold some youngsters, but there's still a lot of youngsters kicking about. And we've actually got our, our correspondent, Connor Ketley, is at um, Leon versus Chelsea, or Chelsea versus Leon, rather, right now in the International Champions 
whatever the hell it is. What's its name? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he could be seeing some of uh, the new uh, youngsters off the uh, Leon conveyor belt um, coming on in that match. And I'm mm. sure there are many. Um, so, yeah, they'll continue to be interesting. But, yeah, Terrier seems to have had a, a really good preseason having come back after his loan to Strasbourg. Mm. And, uh, you know, I'm sure they will be as entertaining uh, as ever mm. uh, when, also, when we start back up. Just with Leon, I think if you if you put every team putting out their strongest starting eleven, aside from PSG, nobody has a better team than than Leon. Mm. Um, yeah, I think what they what they've what they've now got is they've got a couple of players that they can also then have on the bench. Jez is right; they do need a couple more reinforcements at the back. Um, they are seem to be desperately working on this centre back. They've no doubt a centre back will be coming in. Um, if it's not Mina, um, it'll be, is it that Ruben Diaz? Is it yeah. that I'm looking at? If it's not, if it's not him, there'll be sort of, you know, Olas is not a, not a full, he's recognised that they need a centre-back. Um, keeping Fekir, yeah, it's great. Um, I don't think it make or break, makes or breaks their season. Um, I think they, they certainly showed last season that they could cope without him when he was out injured and it, it allows the likes of Husamao to, to bring you know to bring himself in a more central role where perhaps many would say he's at his best. Um, so there's a lot of exciting players there. Yet again, there's a lot of exciting young players, and you know they brought in the, you know they they they've signed an Englishman, first Englishman they've ever had in, in uh, Rio Griffiths, this this young centre forward from from Tottenham. So mm. I think it's it's still exciting times uh, at Leon, and yeah, I, I'd see them. I think they'd probably take second place quite easily, I think, this season. Yeah. Yeah, that's certainly ones to watch, as as with every season, particularly with the young players. I'm, uh, I'm keen to, to have a look at. Um, just before we take, uh, we've got a couple of other questions, um, just to kind of wrap up the main section of the pod. Uh, just want to ask you very briefly, all individually, um, where you sort of see, the, 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 not so much the future of Ligue 1, but there has been this, very large deal done in terms of the TV revenue, which obviously is going to make the club on or the, the leagues on on par with some of the other big leagues. So it might not be just tossed aside. Um, there has been some some big name arrivals. I mean, Golovan is probably the biggest one that chose Monaco over Chelsea in the end. Do you still see awful lot of activity at the moment heading into the end of the English transfer window? Still a lot of teams coming in for Ligue 1 players. Just um, start with Jez on this one. Jez, do you, do you sort of see the, the future of, of Ligue 1 a healthy one, uh, whether it be this season or beyond in, in terms of this new deal and, and what may happen with players coming in and out? Uh, yeah, for the future, I do see it as, as being healthy. I think this uh, this transfer end is a bit weird because firstly, because of the World Cup sort of shortening it at one end and then um, the fact that the, the English transfer window finishes earlier at the other end. So I, I think... I think there's an element all over Europe of waiting till the, the rich English clubs have done their business and then we'll see what, what's left to be done afterwards. But at the same time, I think there's an element of within the French clubs and possibly with the way that other other countries are looking at the French clubs, knowing that they have this signed this big this big deal. It's almost like the league's in a bit of a transition period and um, you know, possibly could be the next big big 
big league, the next league that can, where there there might be more than just a couple of teams who are capable of spending um, silly money on players, and you know, really able to to rival, um, you know, depending on when we're talking about England and Spain and Italy, um, and the fact that you're seeing some young players coming even from abroad to to I mean well it's always happened in certain areas but you know two three English players young English players going from from abroad into into Liga shows that I think it is going places it is more attractive than it possibly has been in the past um so not quite yet but yeah I do, I do see a really positive future for it not just as the um excellent league it's been for a hell of a long time now in terms of developing players and selling players but um you know possibly as a as a league to to actually come into rather than look to to leave as soon as possible yeah i think you see the same phil well one question we got was about um obviously the tv coverage Mm. and um six on on twitter asks do you know if Lee Gun gets another go on BT this season? And I think Rich and several mm-hmm. other people have been in contact with BT, and it appears not mm. uh, that they've lost uh, Serie A and, and uh, Liga and various other things. And so we're actually running a poll at the moment. If BT Sport aren't showing Liga this season, will you be keeping up your subscription? Um, and we've had kind of 60 votes in and 61% are saying no, um, 20% undecided. It's It does seem to be a real shame that you guys aren't going to get to see Ligue 1. Now, the thing is, I'm in France, so I'm fine. But to be fine, I have to have two TV subscriptions. And if I want to see all of the Coupe de France games as well, I need a third TV subscription. So... Basically, I don't get out much, so three TV subscriptions is fine. But that's what I need to do to watch the League and the Domestic Cup Mm. in France. And I don't get to see the Premier League because it used to be on Canal Plus, but then SFR got it and I'm not trusting them with my home broadband, which you have to sign up to to get to see the TV channel because they're shit. So... Um, I basically watch the Premier League on streaming when I can be bothered. But to watch actual domestic football, I need three subs. It does seem a bit, from the LFP's point of view, to be shooting themselves in the foot here. Um, they, they're they changing the times of the matches to be more popular in China. Hmm. But they're basically not going to be shown in the UK or it sounds like the American um, kind of channels uh, are dropping it as well. I mean, that is really, really cutting off your nose to spite your face in my view. So it's a real pity. I would, well, um, I'm not going to advise anybody to break the law, but you know, there's always options, you know. Mm. Well, well, Rich, let me cue you in here. Um, I'm looking at my uh, my BT uh, BT bill in front of me as we speak. Twenty five ninety nine a month for a UK subscriber. That's for the BT Sport Pack. Uh, I use the term pack rather loosely there, um, and uh, a further six pound fifty to have that in HD. 
um, which is scandalous. I've only just noticed that. Uh, and Brian, that's for I'm paying over thirty quid then. Jeez. Yeah, exactly. Thirty-two forty-nine to be exact. Is if you're paying the same as me, and that is uh, that's for one box because I noticed last year until I cancelled my subscription, I've got one TV upstairs, one TV downstairs because I watch pretty much all my football in my room now. Um, I cancelled the additional um charge which is obviously if you want to watch it on two boxes unlike sky in the uk where you can essentially watch whatever you want upstairs and downstairs bt in their infinite wisdom charge you an extra extra subscription to watch it on two different boxes which is another 10 pound or 11 pound a month so i cancelled that um 32.49 for me uh, to get the joys of, uh, of of people like Michael Owen and uh, Glenn Hoddle and, and all these other pillocks who talk about Premier League like it's the only league in the world. Um, for me, the Champions League coverage is average at best, uh, unless you are on the go, which, fine, I appreciate, but then in 2018, you'd expect a good on-the-go service. Um, and and, and what always, for me, what made BT good at the time um, was the fact that you had shows like the um, BT football show or the, the, the world football show, which had, you know, James Richardson, etc. a brilliant show. You could see pretty much all the goals from, from La Liga, um, Liga and uh, sorry, not La Liga, sorry, Serie A, um, Liga and the German Bundesliga. Now all of a sudden we're told, no, this is all you're getting. You're just getting BT um, for, sorry, just getting champions league and, a little bit of German second division football. I mean, I'm hipster, but seriously, uh, that, that's what we get for 32, 49, when you've got Amazon coming in with four sections of fixtures of Premier League a season. Uh, it's just, I, I just don't understand. And you tweeted them, didn't you, Rich? You got this response. Um, the, the biggest thing I can't understand and the biggest thing that I'm, I'm angry about as a Liga fan is why have they left it until the week before the season starts? I mean, it's pretty obvious because they obviously thought people like you and I would conveniently just assume that they'd be showing it. And yet a week out from the season and they replied to you, didn't they, today? to say there is no plans to extend the deal. Well, they've, 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 the deal lapsed at the end of the season. They've not signed a new deal yet. Um, and it's the yet bit <laughs> that I'm clinging on to. Mm. Um, it's not great. Um, it's very frustrating. Um, you thought after the summer that France had, I know the vast majority of the team don't play in France, but the summer that France have had, the players that Ligue 1 has, the players that, the Premier League, especially, bring out of of Ligue 1. You know, we, we, you know Fabinho was a the big name. Fekir was obviously in high demand throughout the summer. It just made sense just to sign the deal. It, it can't it can't be, you know, the world's most expensive league, especially as they've clearly not been outbid for anybody. You know, unless there's something in the pie, but they've not been outbid like they were with Serie A. It just it just seems crazy. It's 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 pretty disappointing that it's gone this far without any sort of official confirmation. Um, and yeah, it's 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 swizzed a lot of people who've signed up either for a long you know, long long time ago as I did, or those that have signed up maybe over the summer with the the success of France in the World Cup. And you know what? I want to see Neymar. I want to see Mbappe on a on a weekly basis. And and they're now not, or at the minute anyway, they're now not. So. It seems a bit of a misstep from from BT, and maybe just a sign of, you know, cost cost cutting in light of the vast expense they'd have chucked at the Premier League and, and Champions League. So we'll see. I'm sure it'll rumble on. 
Yes, yeah, rumble on being the operative um, phrase. Um, and they certainly will be getting a phone call from me to uh, renounce my subscription from them um, unless things change. And I just think it's a shame that in the modern era where more and more people are actually, well, I say more and more people, you will always get the uh, the Englishites who um, just insist that the Premier League is the only only football in the world ever since the dawn of time, etc., etc. But there are people like myself out there who actually want to watch football from around the world or just from around Europe and are not being given the opportunity to do so uh, unless they carry out their tablet or phone everywhere they go, which, um, you know, as much as that's fun, as fun as that is, uh, I have a life. And well, um, if, 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 you know, we're, we're, if Bet365 are listening, we're happy to... Absolutely. We're, we're happy to boot out Kitbag as our, our podcast. <laughs> Get them into on board. And, and, and promote the... Uh, Bet365 streaming service. So Commentary's better on Bet365 as well, I might add. Uh, yes. I think you've had Matt Spiro and a few others on there. So, yeah, agreed. But, yeah, not not ideal. Not ideal. Uh, rant over. Thanks, BT Sport. Anyway, um, to wrap up our, our bumper edition of tonight's pod then, um, have we got any other questions left, Phil, that we haven't um, no, answered? No, I think have we we've, covered them all? We've, we've covered the questions. Um, what we've got is... There is actually a, a round of weekend games coming up. So, Indeed. Uh, yes, we should um, we, we should sort of just, just very briefly preview those, or I say preview them, just sort of read them out, essentially. Um, well, they, we, they finish with PSG um, playing your Dark Horses Kong. So. <laughs> hey, 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 come on. I didn't say the dark. I just, I was just intrigued. And, and we, everybody who knows my predictions knows that they always go horribly wrong. So it's, it shouldn't be a surprise. Um, I think I'm right in saying that at, uh, Olympic Marseille and Toulouse open mm. season on Friday night. Yeah, we're is, uh, still on the usual schedule for the first weekend, but then things could change uh, after that. After so, that. Yeah, it's Marseille to lose on Friday. Saturday afternoon is Nantes v Monaco. Then we've got the multiplex at 8 o'clock, which is Lille, Rennes, Saint Etienne, Gangon, Angers versus Nîmes, Montpellier, Dijon, and Nice, Reims. Mm. And then the Sunday games, 3 o'clock is OL versus Amiens. Uh, 5 o'clock is Bordeaux, Strasbourg. And the final game is at 9 o'clock. All these times, French time, PSG versus Comp. So we will see how that pans out. I'm hoping to get to Montpellier Dijon with members of my my women's group. So that that might be interesting. Good times. I just thought of one one small bonus to BT not having league coverage this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you'll all join me in this. Uh, we will no longer hear from such teams as Reims, uh, Gwingamp, um, or uh, or what was the other one? Angers. That, Angers. Yes. Um, oh Jesus. Yeah. So so that that's that's one. Uh, Reims is the one that really winds me up from people that really should know better. I'm not saying that we should all pronounce everything with an accent, but we also come on. don't have to listen to Jonathan Pierce anymore. Well, that can only be a bonus. Um, I would yeah. pay twenty-five pounds a month for that. Nineteen ninety-nine, maybe I would, but uh, yeah, I would kind of agree with you on that one. Uh, yeah, good, good shout. 
Okay, uh, good stuff. Well, that will uh, draw a close to our first pod then of the new season. Um, just to give you a, a little glimpse behind the curtain, what we're planning to do this season. I know we've had a lot of listeners ask us about League 2. Um, we will do our best um, to try and get, I know we promised last season we didn't get to it, but we will try and give you a little bit more League 2 action. Uh, if you're interested, Jez has tweeted a wonderful goal of the season contender from tonight's game. Um, not, uh, might be worth looking up. Uh, was it Jez or was it you, Rich? I can't remember who it was. I think it was Jez. It was you. Last night. It was, was Lorian. It, yeah. it should be, yeah. Yes, of course. That's why I noticed it. I was like, that was in the Lorian game. I haven't even seen the uh, the goals yet. But that's um, one to have a little look out for. It was hideous. Um, but yeah, we will try and keep across League 2 this season. Um, as usual, keep an eye on the website because there'll be plenty of... of um, articles we're doing we're, we're still ongoing with the um why i supported yes um, the supporter stories series we've had like seven or eight stories so far so if you as a non-french person want to share your story of how you fell in love with a french team please do get in touch on twitter or by email we've loved reading all the stories so far seriously though if anyone is a a fan of someone other than Marseille, Bordeaux or Lyon, it would be lovely to hear from you because that's who we've got so far. So if you're a fan of Nantes or Lorient or Rennes or somebody else, um, then do get in touch. It would be great to keep this series going. It's been some really, really excellent stories. Um, Even the people who are in love with the same team have got so many different ways that they got there. It's been really fascinating to read so thank you everyone for contributing on that and keep sending in your stories thank you they have been good i must admit the ones i've read i've, I've really enjoyed and uh, and also um if if you do if you fancy a laugh at uh, just how salty uh, fans of the english national team got with me over the summer for tweeting about france that's always good fun so i'm um, going to have a little chuckle at my time I, I annoyed a lot of people this summer it was great fun uh, honestly who'd have who'd have thought that there was an option out there to not support the, the country you're born in i mean it, it was almost like a crime uh, but i don't care so well champions that's all i'll say um and of course we will be continuing the podcast uh throughout the season um obviously work schedules and illnesses uh pending hopefully we don't have illnesses but you know i'm sure there'll be a few common colds so um chances are we will be with you pretty much every week uh barring any anything dr- drastic so and uh, i think we're probably going to try and stick to the tuesday because that works for most of us um but obviously subject to change so uh we'll keep you in touch with that but um until then uh keep your eyes as i say on our website and uh, our twitter feed um keep an eye on the english transfer window as they pillage the uh the french market on thursday and uh, we'll be back to round up all of that on that next tuesday's podcast so thank you very much to uh to my cohorts to phil to jez and to rich thank you all good night Thank you very much. Okay. And uh, okay, <laughs> enjoy your French football this weekend if you can find somewhere to watch it. So that for me and all of the BT Sport crew, no, I'm joking. Thank you very much for joining us and we'll speak to you very soon. <laughs>